What is up, everyone? And welcome back. Show about sports. We're here. We're back. We're present. And we're here with the great episode today. Would you rather the classic game we love to play growing up and we love to do it nowadays with any sort of topic. And so today we're doing it about sports, specifically NFL and NBA. So all you fans enjoy this little combo episode because I know shout out to everyone on threads, a lot of new followers across the board. So if this is your first episode, welcome. Hope you enjoy it. Skip around, find your favorite topics. But we did a lot of great topics today that are going to be able to last forever. They're not current week seven, week eight of NFL season questions. They're more generalized fan base, player, teams, etc. It's it's a fun episode. So I hope you enjoy it. We have LP, my brother, back on it. And we also got Vic, who we've shouted out before. He brings a lot of great insight to the table today as well and is on my side a lot of the time disproving anything that logan throws out there like he's tried to put you know the vikings in the power rankings so again they don't know about this intro so it's funny recording it after hearing everything so let's jump into it today if you have not follow me on threads that's where i post all of my hot takes griffin underscore proc and thank you again for all the support subscribe comment like whatever you do on podcasts and let's get into this thing What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the show about sports. As many of you know from the intro, we got two of the boys on the podcast today doing a Would You Rather NFL and NBA best questions, fan bases, players, topics, etc. We got LP back on the pod because fan favorite over here always brings some hot takes for sure, like, you know, Vikings fandom over here in the power rankings. And then we also got Vic on the call today as well. As many of you know, he was shouted out in another pod and he's like, get me on this thing. I need to talk about it. So finally, we got him on the pod. Vic, say what's up to the crowd. Yes, sir. What's going on? Cowboys fan up in the house, even though, you know, they are not as great as everyone wants them to be. I know they're America's team. Everyone loves them. So I'm hoping they get back on the track. It's going to make everyone's hearts warm if they win a Super Bowl. We all want it. Let's just have it. Are those people in the room with us right now? (laughs) (laughs) Here, here, Here nor there. Come on now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Technically, none of us are in the same room, so it's just individual <laughs> rooms at play. But yes, the concept is simple, folks. Would you rather? We're essentially going to be going back and forth between NFL and NBA, and some even combined questions here. We're going to go round robin style, where Logan will kick us off with one. We'll debate it. Some will go longer than others. If you're an NFL fan, feel free to skip ahead to the NFL stuff, NBA, same, either or, whatever you want to do. Enjoy the content here. So. Without further ado, Logan, you've been talking a big game this week about some fun ones we want to discuss. So, And we, just preface for everyone, we don't know what he's about to say. None of us know the questions at hand, so this will be off-the-dome reactions, which makes it better because we'll get some outlandish takes on tape here. So, Logan, kick us off. Yeah, so if you want if you want the heat question right off the start, we're going to have to start with the NBA here. Uh, we are currently, or I don't even know how long you would describe it, the era of the super teams. You know, you have the Golden State Warriors, you've had like the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, all these different teams. It seems like all the competitive rosters are trying to fill in as many good players. And sometimes as many name brand players as you can find. Uh, So my question for y'all is what super team was the most disappointing? And you have two options here. And when you think of super teams, what are some of the teams that you think of? I'm I'm interested in where you think. Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant. 
Yeah, I was about that's to say, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Kevin Durant with James Harden, Kyrie, or current super team, or as they're calling it, the Clippers right now with Kawhi, Paul George. Some would say Zubox yeah. at number three, but now we got <laughs> Russell in it, so I don't know. Yeah. So you guys are nowhere close to the super teams I'm talking about. We are talking about the 2013 Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Brooke Lopez, Joe Johnson and De'Aaron Williams on one team. That's fair. That's time. fair. At the time, they were supposed to be big. They were supposed to be big, but they definitely could not get it done. And mm-hmm. when we think of another super team that on paper looks like they were going to destroy the league, we have to go to the 2012 Los Angeles Lakers with Dwight Howard, Paul Gasol, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, and Meta World Peace. All of these, all of these teams have some of the most recognizable names in the sport, but each one of them were very, very trash in nature. And I'm curious, what was the most disappointing team? There's many angles you can take. You know, obviously some of these players are aged a little bit. Uh, you know, the league was pretty similar at the time, as 2012, 2013. But I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what team we think is the worst. Or most disappointing. Yeah. No, Logan, that is a great question off the bat. Some almost wouldn't classify those as super teams, but in the moment, people were very hyped, Mm -hmm. specifically in those circles. And I think the biggest issue with those two teams, and they were around the same time, is they, first of all, screwed their whole organization for the next 10 years because of all the assets they had to give up. And they were, like you said, Logan, aging stars. So it's kind of hard to pick. Vic, off the top of your head, which one are you leaning towards? Uh, I have to lean right away towards the Lakers. You've got so many players that have proven that they could do what they were supposed to be getting paid for and to not do it, right? When you talk about For example, you put Joe Johnson and Brooke Lopez on the Nets as part of that super team. Yes, they were good at the time, but did anyone look at them and be like, dude, that guy has rings on his finger, right? You have Kobe and Dwight Howard, who we know before and after was key parts to ring winning teams. And you're going to put them on a team with Steve Nash, who was supposed to get his first and come up short. That is way more disappointing than... The Nets roster that had people, Paul Pierce thinks he's the greatest basketball player of all time. He's not, right? He was good. The truth. The Kevin, truth. Kevin Garnett, yeah, that made it probably more of a disappointment than it should have been. But that'd be like putting together all the best players at the time, which they did, and not winning a championship. Right at the yeah. top, I got to go Lakers. Griffin, what do you think, bro? Yeah, I think that's a great point to call out. And just kind of my overall analysis is if Kobe Bryant was sitting five years earlier and was like, if I could handpick my team, here's what I do. Steve Nash diamond us. Dwight Howard magic. I want that. You know what I mean? And then I want Meta World Peace throwing elbows at anybody that gets in the way. You know, that's what that team could have been great five years before. But then, yeah, just like the Brooklyn Nets, it's hard to differentiate because, yeah, Joe Johnson out here crossing up Paul Pierce and you're like, damn, those two together? Like those are small forwards we need in this league. And we make fun of Paul Pierce, but he was a lot better than people remember, but not at that point. At that point, he was, we're all talking role players on today's rosters if they were constructed in a certain way. So I almost think the Nets was a bigger super team bust because that screwed their organization, I think a little bit longer. I think the Lakers just determined 
just decided that they weren't good at then getting guys after the fact. But the Nets actually didn't have capital in terms of draft capital, in terms of tradeability, because everyone was like, I don't want 40 year old Kevin Garnett on my team. He was great in his prime, but I don't want him now. So I'm going to have to lean Brooklyn there. Logan, what are you what are you taking out of those two? See, I have to go with Brooklyn here, but I think it's important to mention that these teams and these players were not as old as they were perceived to be. You have to understand that Kobe Bryant and Paul Gasol, those guys, they won rings in, what, 2009, 2010, right? That's only a few years separated from this team's creation. And then you have the Boston Celtics, the big three. Obviously, Ray Allen is not a part of the Nets, but you had a championship in 2008. That's four relatively four years away plus or minus one depending on the team players don't get that bad in four years unless it's on the very tail end of their career kobe bryant played for a lot longer than that obviously i think if you look at the brooklyn nets you have players like kevin garnett who are in like almost every 2k and who have played with wilt chamberlain somehow but (laughs) when you think about the lakers i think that It's easy to scrutinize them as one of the most mainstream teams, like the Cowboys in a sense, they're like America's team. If the Lakers aren't good, you'll hear every single person talk about it. But if the Nets aren't good, not that many people are going to say anything. But where I'm going with this, I think that the Nets are the most disappointing team because you got to think about Joe Johnson, ISO Joe, Cross God, Silent Joe was actually really 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 good at that point and also brooke lopez i know it's kind of like you're throwing his name in there like who is blood like did we even invite him to the team but you have to look at brooke lopez now on the bucks they had a young rising star who even if he wasn't at the level that he was on the bucks now he's a tall dude you can do a lot with that and the way that the brooklyn nets frame themselves is you know we're gonna blow up everything for this team and it was just absolutely pure disappointment. A hundred percent. And I agree with you. But do we ever think Joe Johnson was like top 10, top right? 15 in the He league? can be good. But is, are you really going to say that he was going to be top three in the league? I mean, there's a difference between being good and expecting good things and then truly expecting to pull rings from this guy, right? And maybe as a Nets fan, you think this was the worst blow up ever because you bring up all of the draft capital that they gave away. And that team was in the dump after this. As a <laughs> Lakers fan, you're like, oh, we didn't win. We'll trade Steve Nash away and we'll win one more before Kobe goes out. We have Kobe Bryant at the end of the day. But on paper, right, if you were to tell an average basketball fan which of these teams would have won a championship on a blind test, they're going to say, oh, that Lakers team, they should have won. Or, you know, they, they're, yeah, right. So, I think from a pure championship standpoint, that team could have gone three for three, right? And to not do that for me is more disappointing um, just because I'm more of a rings matter kind of guy and not so much a maybe aftermath, you know, like how the Nets had a falling out after. I'm a, yeah, I'm about that logic as well. Uh, there, I think Joe Johnson's on the similar career arc as our DeMar DeRozan. Like right now, we're like, dude, we love that guy. Like he is a baller, but I'm never like, oh, he's going to take the Bulls to a ring. He almost had an MVP season last last year, and they're out here losing in the play-in to the Heat nonetheless. But you know what I mean? Like 
I love Joe Johnson. Don't get me. He's out here balling in the big three tournament right now. Like he still got it, but he didn't got it on the nets. And it, it's not all his fault. We're talking like he brought down the nets right now, but <laughs> I think it's, I think that's a great question. I'm going to have to lean towards. Yeah, actually the Lakers might be the bigger blow up because they should have, they should have won. Like Vic was saying, like they, they, the guys were still young. Like you were saying, Logan. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's the eye test. It's, how much you know ball based on the names and those names do carry a lot of weight, but I think you can get clouded in your judgment. Um, I think Steve Nash was a lot older for his time. That dude was basically a role player. And they were thinking that if you put him around some other all-stars that he would be able to get it done. But it just, that group also just became so dysfunctional. I think it brings up an argument when you think about super teams, if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like if oh, you yeah. look at the Phoenix Suns right now, Devin Booker basically gave his, we're fine in the West interview the other day saying like, I don't think anyone can guard us. So there's not a single thing that can stop us. And then already, you know, two people are hurt and also come down to that last shot. Who's taking it, you know? Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant. Not Bradley Beal. Not Beal. Okay. First of all, I'm sorry, but I'm not this isn't like a like a pro or anti Bradley Beal, but I feel like if anyone is going to say they deserve the shot the most on that team, it's gonna be Bradley Beal. Because if you look at what he (laughs) did, what he did on a team like the Wizards for so long, he was that guy. KD's always been around good players. Devin Booker is I've Oh, I was drafted by Phoenix. I've been here for my whole life. But the past few years, he's been surrounded by good people. I feel like that man, Bradley Beal, is going to be, hey, I've proven myself taking this crappy Wizards organization to mediocrity and potentially beyond for so many years that I've proven myself to be that close. No, see, here's where you're wrong there. You're, you're getting off on a tangent. Bradley Beal's king of the regular season. He's never done it in the playoffs. Bradley he's never had to Beal. take those shots. Yeah, he's never had to take those shots. I'm picking KD all day because of just his ability. Booker next easily. And if KD wasn't there, it'd still be Booker. We're not. No, 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 no. You're not understanding what I'm saying. We're not talking about who deserves it. It's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant deserves yeah, I'm it. Saying deserves. Who's I'm saying who deserves. Who's complaining the most and say it's like it's like let's say right. You put Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron. James. Stop it right now. You're about <laughs> to put Bradley Beal with Michael. No, no, listen, no, listen, listen, listen. No, you're not. You don't understand where I'm going with this. So you put Michael, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Shaq, Kobe, and Kyrie Irving on that team. No, no. Be asking for the ball. Last play. It's going to be Kyrie Irving. It's the same True. sort of thing. And I feel like True. Bradley Beal would pose that same that same argument. I'm him. I'm going to deserve it. And I see the Phoenix Suns organization becoming that too many cooks in the kitchen idea. And it's just not going to work out. I know we started with a question. Now we're talking about the Phoenix financials, but hey, <laughs> it's no, whatever. That's great. No, I think we definitely nailed this topic. We got, we gave Joe Johnson his props by the end of it. And then we side tangent that into being Is Joe any, Johnson, the goat title. Any last uh, thoughts on this one before we move on? Cause I got a good follow-up one based on that. Uh, just rest in peace to who he crossed up that one time with the dribble, dribble, dribble. Move. Paul Pierce. That was Paul, Paul Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> it was Paul Pierce. Oh, no. I forgot about that. Actually, uh, now I fully understand why the Nets didn't work. Paul Pierce, I would never forgive that, man. Too much resentment. That was the downfall of Paul Pierce right there. 
Okay. Okay. Speaking of last shots, this is my first NBA question, and it has to be asked in today's NBA, however. If you could choose anyone for your last shot, it's not like a would you rather. I put a couple names down to help spur the inspiration here. Curry, Jokic, Kawhi, uh, Doncic, LeBron. Yeah, see, Vic, I like that reaction because Kawhi actually has hit some big time shots. He's been Kawhi, the- so, man, he's got it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. If you had to pick, what would be who's your would you rather last shot today? NBA Finals Game Seven guy in the NBA. Vic, you go first. And and you are talking active players, right? For sure. Yeah, active guys today. This championship, if you had them. Well, who would it be? What is so crazy is that I truly did not expect you to have him in that list of would you rather's. Load management or not, <laughs> when you've got 10 seconds left, there's no load to manage. He is taking that final shot. And Kawhi Leonard <laughs> will be no load taken. to manage. I'm telling you, dude, Steph Curry, right? You can pull it up whenever that was 2018. Up until 2018, Steph Curry was 0 for 8 in playoffs. When he had a shot to win the game within like, what, 30 seconds or less, 40 seconds or less, he's made some sense, but that doesn't mean anything, right? Kawhi Leonard just gets high efficiency shots. They're not from half court. They're not Dame Dollar coming from the logo. They are high efficient. (laughs) He is making that shot. Give me a better answer. You won't. I like that. I like that. Logan, a rebuttal there. No load to manage is the quote to beat. Nah, I, yeah. I, first of all, I watched this this funny YouTube video. This one guy was covering the last year's NBA season, and this dude was just absolutely ruthless to the Clippers. And he was like, it was a really one of those really fast videos where you try to sum up a whole season within like 10 minutes. And all he says for the Clippers, he was like, and then the Clippers decided to load manage during the playoffs. But it was just the funniest thing I've ever heard. But I can't give my answer yet. I need to hear yours because okay. it's just like I, I need to make sure that the audience hears the wrong answers before they come to their <laughs> oh, senses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, buddy. That's what I thought you were going to say. I also hinted at my answer on this list as well. I think this year, and I'm I am biased because I watched the first game of the year and I just got excited about this player again. I'm like, God, he's got a bag to him. He can make it slow motion, fast pace, off a screen, do it himself. He doesn't need a screen, whatever. I'm picking Luca. I don't know why, but Luca's got that ice in his veins. I'm he hasn't had to hit a bunch of long range last minute shots but when he needs a bucket he'll get a bucket he helped them pull away last night and so i'm picking luca for just bag related he will pull out anything to get a stop i love a Kawhi answer and i love a Jokic answer i just think he's too he's almost too slow like i i would love him if he could catch a low post fade turn but in most circumstances it's not that it's bring it up what are you doing off of a screen? I'm giving it to Luca. He's entering his prime. He's in his year five, year six. I don't know. I'm picking Luca today. Logan. Before, you... oh, before yeah. LP gives his answer, I'll give you a backup as to why I didn't pick Luca. And here's the second option I was going to go with. It was going to be between Luca or Dame. But I yeah. think for them, that sample size is too large because they were legitimately the only players, still are, right? I mean, I guess he's on the Bucks now, Dame, but Luka is the only player on that Mavs team that you could even think about trusting with the ball. So when you have 30 close games in a season, he's going to take 30 final shots. And for me, that's just not 
consistent enough, right? Same with Dame. He has a whole highlight reel of makes. He's got a whole highlight reel of misses. Kawhi Leonard has that efficiency stat to him, right? You've seen that stat that came out uh, two years ago. In elimination games, Kawhi Leonard was shooting like over 60, over 65% in, in elimination games. Highest in NBA history in elimination games Kawhi Leonard shoots. That's a stat, Damn. right? So... <laughs> Does Damon Luca have more, or will Luca have more right as his career progresses? Yes, but you can't just because you take fifty shots a game and you make thirty of them, that doesn't make you a great shooter, right? I'm going Kawhi still on that efficiency. Let's see if LP has anything yeah. to go off of. Sorry, we actually have an interruption. Kyrie Irving has entered this chat. He has a different opinion on Luca taking thirty shots a game. He wants at least fifteen, maybe call it sixteen, give him fifty-one percent. But Logan, continue. What is your choice? Because I just know. Vic was coming with stats. You already said the word eye test. I know it's about to be another eye test answer. So who do you got, Logan? Wow. I'm surprised that people say that we're brothers because you have <laughs> all wrong. I have used my heart in most of these podcasts for the way that I look at these questions. I'm an eye test guy. But for this answer, I'm going to bring you the statistically best clutch player in the NBA right now. And that would be the 2023 clutch player winner of the year, De'Aaron Fox. That oh is my, my answer. Stop it. Before you say anything. This is the Vikings in the league. power rankings. Giving you a league rundown. Fox led the league in clutch game scoring this season with 194 points in 39 such games. Clutch time is defined as the last five minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime when the score is within five points. Statistically proven, last wow. season, De'Aaron Fox is that guy with the ball at the end of the game. It helps that he's on a team where he is potentially that guy. But if you were to think about Hey, last shot, who am I giving it to? You're not really considering someone like De'Aaron Fox, and that's what makes him so lethal. If you put Stephen Curry on the court, you put Luka Doncic on the court, you put Kawhi Leonard, triple, quadra, they'll put they'll 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 put six people on him. They'll find a way to like get an infraction and put six per six people on Kawhi Leonard to make sure he doesn't get that shot off. But De'Aaron Fox is not only quick. He is statistically proven to be one of the most clutch shooters in the NBA. And this year, the Kings are looking kind of dangerous like they did last year. And I totally see him continuing, especially with the roster that that team has. And I rest my case. Wow. Light the beam. Am I right? Light yeah, the beam in Sacramento. Is... Vic, what's your take on that? So just right off the bat, like De'Aaron Fox, I'm going to say the same thing with the Luka thing, right? You're going to tell me he had all these points trailing with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. You know what has to lead up to that? You have to play bad enough basketball to be trailing with five minutes in the fourth quarter. Okay, I'm not or, saying... Or the score could end 175 to 174 <laughs> like that game did last year. Hey, hey. That's not bad ball. That's straight I'm, lights I'm out. I'm not saying that Kawhi is going into fourth quarter with the lead every single game. I'm just saying it again. If... You're going to put somebody like Kawhi Leonard who makes that shot with five, four, three, two minutes left. He's also going to get, be able to get back on defense and get you a stop, whereas I think Darren Fox is not. And we saw that in the playoffs. That's a lot. That's a damn lie. Shot, you can watch <laughs> the end of those two, like the two games, final two games of that playoff run for them. 
shot for shot, they could not get back on defense. Well, he's also Maybe, guarding Stephen Curry. He literally said in that interview, it is Kawhi as Leonard, hard Kawhi as Leonard it looks. Steph Curry. <laughs> true, true. Like, well, Kawhi Leonard is statistically one of the best defenders the NBA has ever seen. We're talking about a guard-on-guard action. He's also he, got, you know, healthy knees. He's been sitting all season, so he's yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Wow. I'm going to be honest. I did not expect the Aaron Fox, but that's what you get when you get Logan on the pod. And then he starts calling you not your brother. I wouldn't even put Aaron Fox. In, like, I'm still putting LeBron above him. I'm putting Jokic. I'm putting Giannis. Like, I, I mean, Harden. Come on. Let's. I don't even know. Let's get a weird list going. But Fox, I appreciate his game for everything that it is. But that is just why you're here, Logan, because I appreciate yeah. those alternative. That's a good stat to bring up. I'm impressed that you brought something up like that, like on the fly, because again, we don't know these questions beforehand, so great stat there. Yeah, you might want to check ball, your sources. What can I though. say? <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was it was a toss up between him and Danny Green from his performance in the Danny Green NBA next, championship. Next, next. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, okay. Now, Vic, it's up to you now for the next question. You can make it NBA. You can make it NFL. You can make a little bit of both because I know we have some of those. For sure. I think I am going to stick to this NBA train, though, because I got a pretty good one that I've been sitting on for a few days now, totally. right? Totally. So, <clears throat> you are the general manager of an NBA team, okay? And you have the option. You are the general manager of an expansion NBA team. They come back to Seattle to go 0-72. No, I'm playing. They come <laughs> back to Seattle. You are the general manager. You have the choice between the best point guard or the best big man in the league to take. Okay, you have to factor in, as a general manager, you have sales to make, you have games to win at home, and then you have a championship to potentially follow. Okay, so picking from your heart might get you one, might get you the other. Picking from the best might get you one and not the other, right? As a general manager, are you taking the best point guard or the best big man? Okay, that's such a good question with today's NBA because uh, my head immediately goes to, okay, so who's the best big man? We got to think Jokic. Who's the best point guard? Logan would say De'Aaron Fox. I would say Steph Curry still, maybe a Luka Don, but like, do we even classify Luka there? Or is Kyrie the point guard? So historically, the way I view it is my head goes straight to longevity. And unfortunately, big men don't have the longevity. We could be like, oh, I could get AD on my team or Joel Embiid. They've been riddled with injuries, yeah, throughout their career. Or I could get Steph, Damian Lillard, you know, the picture of health over their first like 10 seasons where they, Damian Lillard is a perfect example. He quite literally put Portland on the map for 10 years before. Now he's starting to deal with injuries. But yeah, he's in his late 30s. That's how it goes. But yeah, he ran from the grind too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he started getting sponsored by Modelo, started drinking too much beer. I don't know what happened there. but Too much time what? in Cabo during the offseason. Do it to <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, LP. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, I'm just a Portland hater for some reason. I'm going to have to go point guard in today's NBA. I don't know what – like if a centerpiece to a – to see what Steph was able to do for his city and what – what um, Dame is able to do for his city. And then you think of like De'Aaron Fox, like Logan just said, he is putting on, but they have other guys around. They had Sabonis, they had KD, they had, you know, McCollum, they had, not McCollum was a weird name to put in that list, but you know what I mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. McCollum is a good name. What are you talking about? Great, great role player. Yeah. Whoa, They couldn't make it work, Logs. They couldn't make it work. He's a step below Bradley Beal. 
he might be at the same level as Bradley Beal. That's, <laughs> that's more disrespectful to Bradley Beal, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so I'm going to have to go point guard unless I'm getting Jokic. That's my one asterisk. If I'm getting Jokic, yes, Jokic all day. Best, best big man, but I'm going to go point guard. What about you, Logan? Yeah, I think you ended with the, the perfect explanation. Um, unless it's Jokic or Embiid, I see absolutely no reason for prioritizing a big man in today's NBA. I think with the introduction of Stephen Curry, the game has been so stretched out. A lot of these games come down to your shooting percentage and your just facilitation of the ball. I think it's super important. And also, I'm glad that you asked this question because if you are picking someone like a point guard to start your franchise with, that means that you're going to be lacking in potentially the big man area. And like I was talking about, about Brooke Lopez and the Nets, you can get a solid guy that will do exactly what you need. We're talking True. about Steven Adams. We're talking about Brooke Lopez. We're talking about Claxton or one of the most underrated players, Boban Marjanovic. That guy... <laughs> is a freak of nature. I'm sorry, but him and people like Bull Bull need to be given that full shot out on an NBA team with real minutes. So if I'm starting my own franchise as a businessman, right, I'm picking up that point guard. He's going to be this cornerstone of my team. I'm getting some nice role players, and then I'm starting Taco Fall for the jersey sales. (laughs) We're going to be good for the next five years, and we won't have to relocate. So that covers the jersey sales. It covers the cornerstone of your team. You're not going to get Jokic or Embiid because those two people are already on teams that are not going to let those people go. Your only option to getting a revolutionary big would be someone like Victor Wembanyama, but obviously that oh. doesn't that doesn't go with the question. So I think it's unarguable that you need to start your franchise with a good uh, point guard and get some oh. some studs like Bull Bull. Okay, that's good, Vic. What since that's, you had the question, what's your uh, answer? Which is crazy because I thought it was going to be overwhelming the other way. We got two and zero on the point guards. The way I see it. If you want to give yourself a mental list of the best big men that you can think about, I can't think of one that doesn't have a, a ring besides Embiid. And if you want to just make it current as well, AD, whether you like him or not, Giannis, Jokic, now they all have at least one ring. AD was with LeBron. I understand there may be some you know, people throwing up over that. Whatever. Joel Embiid, let's be honest, should have went to the finals once. Should have possibly went twice, okay? Let's talk about, and I know you said Luca. That's a really great point, and I'm glad you brought that up because there are people that play that ball handler position that may not have the point guard listed on their stats. But I'm going to count that in my argument right here. Luca, Young, no ring. James Harden, let's call him the best ball handler, best shooter for a long time, no ring. Russell Westbrook, let's call him the best point guard minus Steph Curry for a long time. No ring. Every person that is amazing at their big position is getting a ring. Steph Curry is a, it took a revolutionary point guard for it to even make a difference. They won that championship with Maurice Spates. Okay, nobody knows who that is. They, <laughs> is that, that, was uh, a, that ain't a real person. That's your my player. No, dude. Listen, you have to understand, as a GM, that longevity is going to get you there. And I totally, totally respect that. 
do you think Portland would rather have Dame for 10 years or have him for six years and have a ring? As a GM, that's up to you to decide, right? That's why it's a debate. But you think of a big guy, they've done it. Garnett, Dirk, Duncan, Shaq, all of them have done it. Maybe a few one-offs. You can think of so many great point guard style people that didn't win a ring and maybe had probably more jersey sales than some of these big men. If that's what you're going for as a GM, that's what you're going for. Final answer, big guy. Because Embiid and Giannis, they're getting jersey sales, and you're going to get a ring on top of it. I think a yeah. ring is too valuable to, to pass up on. 100%. And the general manager is not thinking about money. He's thinking about wins. The owner might be thinking about money, who might be having a voice or an opinion. But I agree with that, Vic. I like that thinking. I didn't even think. That's what's so great about this exercise, because you think about those outside perspectives, like every big dude that's been great has a ring, but I can name a million point guards. My favorite player used to be and still is James Harden, even though he's doing some weird stuff right now, you know, and has been. But I loved just him and but he could never get over that hump. But then you look at, you know, all the other big men. Yeah, that's a great point. Any parting thoughts there from LP or Vic? Anything more there? Nah, I think you bring up some good points. It's a very debatable, hence the would you rather no, kind of question. Yeah. But That's a, such a good question, Vic. I Great. do think it comes down to, obviously, you bring up some good examples with Shaq, Tim Duncan, Dirk, etc. But you have to understand the league as a present league, right? It's constantly adapting, constantly changing. And I think that you just you have to look at where it's at right now and... The way you can frame the question is, would you rather have a good point guard and role players in, in the power positions or a good, you know, a good uh, center and then uh, role players in the front court, right? Hey, that's that's why you're the GM. Yeah, and I think it's right now it's more important to get someone on the point guard, shooting guard position and hope and pray that that guy can lock Jokic to 20 instead of 30. Totally. I agree. All right, Logan, the baton is back to you. NFL or NBA, what do you got for us? Let's uh, let's switch it up. Let's go to the NFL. So, I mean, this question could be um, switched to the NBA, but I think it's more important with the NFL due to the length of the season and how important each game is. So the question is, would you rather have your, let's say, okay, it's time for me to choose a new team to root for Forget all your biases. Oh, I've been a Seahawks fan since I was born, blah, blah, blah. It's a new league. And, you know, I'm trying to pick a team to support. Would you rather have that team win a championship after 10 years of failure? We're talking like Browns, like early Dolphins era, like some of the worst seasons that make you wake up in the morning and question why you are a fan of this team. But they will eventually get that championship after 10 years of suffering. Or come close and be competitive for 10 years straight. So you're on a team and although this question is framed as you're never going to get a championship, you obviously will have hope throughout the season. It's our yeah, year. You, you know, don't know that you don't win yes, a championship. You don't know. So you're either saying it's going to get better. We will win it. And you do, or, you know, you're rooting for that team for a long time. So basically a, a good way to put it is, you know, Buffalo Bills right now. They're one of those teams that are studs yeah. every Great single example. year. And then I'm trying to think of some team that was just notoriously bad, but ended up turning it around with some draft pick. You can call it the I mean, Bucks. 
Yeah, the Bucks right there. They were bad for the like, ten years, and then they just got well, a star-studded I mean, roster. Well, I we weren't we weren't terrible, but the Seahawks weren't you know yeah. winning Super Bowls. <laughs> we were same, yeah, took, same uh, thing. But it took I, having yeah. so many good players on rookie contracts for just the right amount of time to get us to the Super Bowl. But that's my question. Okay. My quick response. I have an easy answer. I'm choosing the wait 10 years win a Super Bowl because of the Seahawks. Yes, you were phrasing it as you're just a terrible team. You're always rebuilding. But I almost view it as like there's no way a team can be terrible for 10 years you're going to compete like we're looking at the carolina panthers right now they're now zero and six zero and seven but they were like a playoff spot almost last year and the browns a great example they've always been like teetering on the playoffs these past few years and in the playoffs so like wild card situation so at least your fans have something to cheer about and so i think that's the extreme but most one of my questions was about like how do you feel as a fan base you know being a middle team as i call it where you're just in this purgatory of like am i good am i bad i don't know what i am and so i actually would take the championship over just being competitive every year because god the letdown when you think like this year with the seahawks is a great example Last year, no expectations. I talked about this on my pod. I think Gino is suffering from feeling like he has expectations now. Last year, everybody wrote him off, as he said. So he played freely. Now he's like, he I should right be a top. Though. Yeah, I should be a top 10 quarterback now and like play good. And I think that's weighing on him. So I would rather us be down in the dumps and then we pull it out after great rebuilding with the Legion of Boom, Russell, etc. That kind of way, instead of just getting that dangled in front of me for a long time like the Bills. I would be hating myself as a Bills fan right now. And I'm not enjoying being a Seahawks fan either after our greatness, you know, 10 years ago to this day. <laughs> exactly. So I think you bring a great answer when you talk about that level of expectation and the Seahawks, great example, but LP said the Bills. Being a Bills fan right now must be inducing so many aneurysms across that upper east side of the country because you can't continue every year to predict your team to go to the conference championship or the Super Bowl and have it not happen. You want to talk about Bills now? The Bills went to four Super Bowls in a row in the 90s and lost all four of them. Were their fans as happy as the teams that missed the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. My answer is, without a doubt, I'm going to be bad for 9 or 10 years and take that ring. Coming from a Cowboys fan who hasn't been alive to see a ring, I would rather have one and be able to shove it in other people's face than to be the current state of Dallas where you're expecting to win every single year now and you don't. And it gets thrown in everyone's face and it's on Sports Center. Nobody nobody really trashes on the Browns and the modern day Bucks and things like that because they're not expected to win a Super Bowl. But if they get a good win against the top team, they get a lot of praise for it. And Dallas could beat the Chiefs by 20 and they'll have some excuse for it. Or something else, right? Oh, they were supposed totally. to. They haven't done this in years, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I want to be that team that's kind of bad, maybe upset a few top dogs over the years and kind of have a good rally over it and then get my ring and be able to wear that t-shirt for the rest of my life knowing I have one Super Bowl that I can rep. I agree completely. And we're watching Micah Parsons literally deal with that stress of being a cowboy 
right now. He's like, you guys thrash us because we're and it's because your expectations are higher. We expect you to be great. You pay everyone like you're great, but you're not the Eagles. You're not the 49ers. You're with us Seahawks right now. We're just kind of like hanging yeah. around, but we can't win big games. So, Logan, you pose the question. Where are you leaning? Yeah, I I have to disagree with both of you. I think that of course you do. Of course you do. First no, of all, no, no, no. You got to let me explain myself. He uh, wants to be original so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, am I standing out enough? No. Um, I don't think you guys realize the mental torture of what it's like to be a current day Bears fan or a current day Broncos fan or the Dolphins that didn't win a game or the Browns that were your own fan base are telling the GMs to sell your team. We are talking about constant belittling from your friends about how bad your team is. You're saying not a single shred of hope for almost a decade long. Every time that you have a team that is competitive, take the Cowboys, for instance, take the Buffalo Bills, take the, the Vikings. Um, you have at least hope every season, and you're going to enjoy at least parts of the regular season. You're going to go divisional matchup. Oh, yeah, we took them down. Or, oh, we made the playoffs this year. Like, this is so us, and this is going to be our year. I think it definitely hurts when you don't see it all the way to fruition. But at least you had a decent season to be able to celebrate. If you go to a Seahawks game and they haven't won a game in a year, they're going to be giving away beer for free to try to get people to buy tickets. But if you are a competitive team, the city is alive. Everyone loves the team. This is the atmosphere. It's our year. Obviously it's hard because I can't speak from general experience. Like the Seahawks, their heydays were always only a few years long, but I would rather have a team that is good enough to make it far in the playoffs, maybe lose in the Super Bowl or something rather than, literally have to wear a paper bag over my head when I go to the concerts to, I mean, when I go to the, the football games to make sure that no one can identify me as one of those fans because of how depressing it is. Vic, I, I feel like you have something to say to that. Which is so funny that LP, you say that if the Cougs went one in 10 every year, but they beat UW in Seattle, that game, would you call that season a win? I would be able to crack a few jokes for a week and then be reminded about how our current record against them is. I think as I think you are downplaying the importance of um, interdivision rivalry games, especially you said the Bears, right? They have a chance to beat the Packers this year, a team that they haven't beat in how long has it been? I don't even know. Six years? Okay, or whatever it is. If you are a Bears fan, you're looking forward to wearing that new jersey to a game that they're going to lose, and then they're going to play the Packers the next week, and you have a chance to have the best seven days of your life of the season after you beat the Packers. And you play those division teams twice a year, right? So I think you're downplaying a little bit of the fact that you're going to be miserable the whole season. Like in my example... <clears throat> you're going to win one or two games, right? Only two or three teams have ever gone winless. You're going to win a few games. You're going to have a few things to celebrate. I just think at the end of the day, to be able to exhale, that you have a ring or like the Cougs, you beat 
the the Huskies, I think that's just I think that's way worth. Yeah. I agree with what Vic is saying there. I definitely hear both sides of this. And I think it really comes back to Logan, you and I diehard Seahawks fans. In our lifetime, we've seen a Super Bowl enough to remember it. We were in high school at the time. And Vic, you're a Cowboys fan, so you've heard about the great days, but you haven't seen it yet. But you that's the expectation levels where we're just like sitting here. I'm glad we have one. That was such a fun era of football. And right now we're kind of riding that middle tier. My point exactly. Yeah, Vic, you're like, gosh, I've heard great things, but I've never seen it. So I don't believe it. Like, what does that even mean? So- you That's got a someone question. wearing a you got someone wearing a Michael Irvin jersey they just learned about the other day. <laughs> yeah. Like none of Classic. us have actually no realistic NFL fan has watched Michael Irvin highlights. They're like, oh, he was great. I was like, yeah, tell no. me like five of his iconic plays then. Like, come on. No, now. this is this is the real way to frame that what you're about what you were saying, Griffin. I will challenge anybody that owns a Michael Irvin jersey that wasn't alive and watching the games. Have they seen more than a 15-minute video highlight reel? Or have they watched a full game from start to finish <laughs> of Michael Irving playing on the Cowboys? I will take a loan out. I will find the <laughs> sketchiest mobster and put a $10 million on my head that no one has actually sat down and watched a 40-minute football game of a game that happened before you were born just because it's your team. I agree. That's my case. I agree. I have not watched a lot of Seahawks history. I don't know about you, Vic. And if you do need a loan, we have a guy. His name is Valentino. He works at Harborstone Credit Union. He could hook you up. (laughs) The other guy in this world is Val. Val, unfortunately, is not with us, but he will be on the next one for sure. No, yeah. Yeah, I did. I love Steve Largent and the Seahawks. I've seen a few highlights. You have his jersey. That's so yes. funny you say that. You literally have exactly a Largent point. jersey. Exactly my point. I, I'm I'm making money off of me. <laughs> <laughs> off of me. I haven't I haven't seen a single full game. The most I've seen of a Seahawks game was the Brian Bosworth documentary where he was on the Seahawks and got trucked by Bo Jackson. That's the most <laughs> I've seen of that Seahawks team back in the day. Oh, Largent, man. What a throwback. Well, great question, Logan. Let's keep it on the NFL and kind of in a similar bracket there. So this is kind of, I don't know if you guys are ready for something a question like this, but give me your honest opinions on something like this. So we're taking away the players. We're going to the coaches here. The almost underappreciated or sometimes too much appreciated part of the game of football. So would you rather be a coordinator, offense or defense, or a head coach, just coordinator or head coach. Why I pose this question is because I feel coordinators get all love. If things are good, they get all the love. But if things are bad, guess where the attention turns? To the head coach, like they're calling the plays. If they're calling the plays, that's one thing. But when there's a head coach that doesn't call plays, like Pete Carroll, for example, he is not offense or defensive coordinator. He doesn't catch. He only catches flack when the team is bad. And we forget our defensive coordinator's name is Clint Hurt. And you're like, oh, wait, that's why our defense is bad. You know what I mean? He's the guy calling the plays. So who wants to answer first, head coach or coordinator? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's easy to put the blame on the head coach. But I think if you're thinking about your team specifically, 
the offensive and defensive coordinators are some of those name brand people that you remember. Not to bring up any post post traumatic stress, but when the Seahawks ran the ball on the one, I felt like I was in revolutionary France where they were pulling everyone to the guillotine saying, get Daryl Bevel here right now for his decision (laughs) to run the ball. (laughs) And no one in my circle, at least, was saying that that was Pete's fault. It was all Daryl Bevel. You look at current day, the Steelers, right? People aren't talking about Mike Tomlin. They're talking about Matt Canada. If you are one of those fans that actually knows ball, you're going to point at exactly who the problem is. The head coach is the CEO of the team. They're the front-facing member. They do a lot of good things for the team. But at the end of the day, you see these coaches last forever with awful records. And there are some people that point fingers to them. But at the end of the day, they're not all the problem. Jerry Jones had a job for way too long, for example. But at the same time, he still had a job. And... I think but, it's easy to point towards the head coach, but if you are one of the real fans of that team and that organization, you're going right to the root of the problem, which is hold the on though with the with the Seahawks. I love that example because Pete is getting the play call in his ear. He can hear it's a a pass play in that Super Bowl. Why is he not saying hold up, Chief Alert? I'm gonna call a run. Give it to Marshawn. We don't even need to call it a play. Halfback draw. Whatever you want to do there. That's where I get a little Daryl Bevel. I've already forgotten his name, you know, but Pete Carroll lives forever. And I have a good, a good thought about Pete Carroll. I like Pete Carroll, you know? So I almost lean to coordinator because yeah, you might be getting a little bit less. You're not getting that full career fulfillment. Maybe as a coach, you want to make it to the highest level. But if you fail, you get remembered as a coach that has failed forever. But a, a coordinator can almost skate by making a great living. Like think of a Dan Quinn who, was a coordinator, then went to. I keep, I love the cowboy callouts here because Vic's on the line, and now he's a coordinator again. And people are like, he should be a head coach. I think he's enjoying being a coordinator. Like at the end of the day, maybe he's not getting the job, but like, I would rather stay in that position and do great at what what I'm good at than get in the spotlight too much in that circumstance. You know, that's. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I had my answer, and then LP went, and he kind of flipped me. And then you went, and I'm I'm here stuck. The Dan Quinn thing is such a huge bring up because you think about the Legion of Boom, and then you think about the fact that he went to another Super Bowl with this team called the Falcons that had the <laughs> highest scoring offense at the time. He didn't have anything to do with that, right? But when you combine that kind of offense with that kind of defensive mind, you think about Super Bowls. But LP goes Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is how many seasons and he's never had a losing record, right? He has had some pretty atrocious calls over the year and made some pretty bad decisions in some big games. Head coach, he has, he has his job. He's still as popular as ever. You look at the video from the Pittsburgh Penguins game the other night in opening night. They were screaming, Fire Canada, right? Because they want Matt Canada out. You can look it up. Mike Tomlin is not getting the hatred for losing these games. His coordinator is. Now, where I'm going to give you my full answer rests on one of LP's crucial statements. If you are the true fan, you know what's going on. The Cowboys couldn't get it done. We kicked Kellen Moore. 
Does anybody else think Kellen Moore was terrible? No, he went to the Chargers the very next, you know, a month later. If you're a fan of that team, you know what the issue is. And just for me, if I'm working on a team, right, if I'm going to have to play this role, I don't, I don't really care what anybody else thinks except my team and my fans. And because of that, I got to go head coach because the head coach is going to have some of that pressure alleviated. Regardless of what situation you're going to be in, those fans are going to know. They're going to point out your flaws. I'd rather be the head coach. As we've seen, um, the Lions coach is able to kind of take some of that blame away from his coordinators and kind of put it on his shoulders in more of a respectful manner and like, hey, give it to me. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to soak this up and we're going to take it as a team. I feel like you get away with more of that than being a coordinator. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think another good example of that is uh, the Dolphins head coach, you know, McDaniels, right? When, uh, when Tua threw an interception, there's like, they did a, a comparison of how he reacted versus how Sean Payton reacted to Russell during an interception. You see Sean Payton just berating Russell as he's just walking off. You Obviously, it sounds like it's a very toxic locker room and just not a great fit. But you look at Mike McDaniels, he pulls Tua aside, he goes, that's on me. That's my fault. He's mic'd up. Whether it was literally intentional to catch that or Mike da- McDaniels is just one of those guys that's always mic'd up. But he's literally saying, I'm alleviating that pressure from you. I understand that I'm that CEO of the team. I'm that public-facing guy. But those real fans will be absolutely ruthless if their team is consistently underperforming on one side of the field. Because you can have these teams that are that are decent across the board, and the head coach is great. But if you have consistently a season where you cannot put up points or you cannot stop anything you the sniper scopes on you matt canada literally said in an interview the other day he said our team our offense isn't built to win when we're behind which if you really think about what he said it is the dumbest thing you've ever heard in your whole life he's basically saying our offense just can't put up points we have to rely on our defense limiting them to at least four like that is double double safety yeah no but it's it's pretty crazy how how like specific this hatred can be towards one person the head coach has to manage the whole operation the whole team if you're an offensive defense coordinator you can eat a thanksgiving dinner for half the game and you know if it doesn't go well for you that game it's exactly on you and it's what are the Steelers doing on defense what are the Steelers doing on offense etc so I'd rather be the head coach I'd also rather be the head coach okay we got two head coaches this is where I stray from the pack I don't know being a coordinator sounds nice because you get talked about in a good way if you're a good coordinator think about some of the head coaches that have worked you brought up Dan Quinn on the Falcons he had Mr. Kyle Shanahan calling the mm-hmm. plays there. I mean, he's probably the best head coach in the NFL right now by all by all metrics. And so, and now he's taking on play calling duties for the 49ers and he's reaping the benefits of it when Purdy does well and when he has a concussion and is playing through that. So when Purdy I, has at least two <laughs> all pro players playing. Yeah, but now watch watch Sam Darnold put up the same numbers and we're gonna be like, damn, Shanahan's got it. You know what I mean? Hey, That's the only to remind you about my take on Aaron Rodgers and Joe Flacco. The same no, man. you don't need to remind us. Oh, <laughs> the same man. They're both same, one Super Bowl just, appearance. Yeah, disrespect across the board to Aaron Rodgers and his Achilles. I hope he gets better. <laughs> Low, uh, Vic, you're up next. NFL or NBA question? 
yep, this is a little bit more playful, a little bit more up in the air. Straight up, you get to play on a team of your choice. Are you going to be a kicker for 12 years or a running back for four years? And let's say you have the talent to be average slash slightly above average. I'm not talking about LP out here, 130 pounds, line it up. You got the body <laughs> for it or you got the leg for it. You tell me what you want. 12 years as a kicker, four years as a running back. First of all, I'm 180 pounds. Second of all, <laughs> this is the easiest question of my life. I would rather be I would rather be Steven Hauschka than CJ Spiller on the Bills. <laughs> you have to think about football is a modern gladiatorial sport. People are getting their heads chopped off out there. You look at some of these people. There was a tweet recently. It was Antonio Brown on a golf course acting like he was Happy Gilmore. And the the caption was, Antonio Brown's medical records could bankrupt the NFL. And if you are one of those power positions like a right back and a wide receiver, you are going to be waking up for the rest of your life sore. Your brain is going to be leaking fluid by the ounce. You could probably use your brain fluid as a chaser at the nightclub where you go bankrupt at if you're playing those oh positions. If you are a kicker, you're chilling. Everybody loved Hauschka, John Ryan. Was it John Ryan, right? Or Yeah, he was the punter, though. Yeah. But a modern was, example yes, is Justin great. Tucker for the Ravens right now. I'd rather have Justin Tucker's career on the Ravens. That He's kicked the longest field goal of all time. I know the you most, said average kicker, but yes. yeah. The most points anyone has ever scored in the NFL is Adam Vinatieri as a kicker. That sounds like a pretty cool job. It reminds me of that old show of Blue Mountain State where Alex Moran was like, I want to be backup for the rest of my life. I'm trying to have fun. The kicker, obviously, there is some scrutiny with missing kicks, but you know they don't got to do too much. Like I think it was... I'm trying to remember who the person, maybe it was like Tyreek or something that said it, that the special teams players play ping pong during practice. It doesn't sound that bad of a job. Obviously, being a running back is a very exciting position. It's name brand. It's it's fun. You know, everyone remembers those like secret like running backs. Like I say, CJ Spiller all the time. He's Madden God, Darren McFadden, some of these, some of these average greats. But I'm taking the kicker for the rest of my life. I'm going to retire on a yacht. I'm going to be feeling, feeling good. And I'm going to say, yeah, I was in the NFL and I did. You're going, well. you're going on a yacht with, with average kicker money though. <laughs> if you, kickers can play till they're 40 running True. backs, but that's, but running that's backs. I, did, I did kind of cap it. 12 years is a yeah. decent amount. I understand that Vinatieri and then played almost 20. That's why I said 12. Cause I feel like hey. that high end would have been too easy yeah. of, of an answer. You can rent a yacht. You ain't got to buy one. You can do that you can now. Rent a yacht. <laughs> I'm t- I'll, I'll be renting. Anyways, anyways Griff, you got to have some voice or reason here, man. Yeah, so I hear you on this. I, I love a good running back, man. I do. Logan brought up a great example. Darren McFadden was fun. You know, I'm thinking like old school with like Jamal Charles. He was fun for a quick second. And then and you think of like Eddie Lacy. My man was cool. And then he put up from 130 to 180 like Logan's weight gain on this podcast. It happened in a few seconds, apparently. And so I just... Pierre Thomas is another good one. Yeah, I unfortunately... That's a good one, actually. I unfortunately have to go kicker as well. I have I have the body of a kicker, so I legitimately (laughs) could. When you said 130, I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm kicking. But... I don't know. Running back's cool and all. And it was probably cooler back in the day. And I might have, if you asked me when LaDainian Thomason was in the NFL, I'd be like, yeah, I want to be a running back. But now I'm like, 
damn, these guys are getting underpaid. They're getting hurt more than ever. ACLs don't work anymore. So I'm going to take the kicker for 12 years, not rent a yacht, but live like on, you know, Newport Beach in California for my retirement. (laughs) Which is funny that LP says the kickers, he brushes it off. Oh, kickers might get some scrutiny. They get a lot of scrutiny. You don't think Kobe Parkey goes to bed at night and thinks about the doinks and all that things? And who was a Blair Walsh in the Vikings Seahawks game? Like, that is infamous as a terrible play. I feel like as a running back, you have a little bit more wiggle room to maybe have a couple negative runs every game, things like that. Fumbles, maybe a different story. But I, I, I get what you're saying about the brain being banana pudding at the end. But I just think the money is going to be a little bit better than being a kicker. Maybe if you average it out, they might have come to about the same. Um, running backs might be a little bit more just based on average salary. But at the end of the at the end of the career, let's call it, would you rather be an average kicker, or would you rather be Darren McFadden, who everyone is going to remember? Does anyone remember the average kicker from eight years ago that Matt you can Prater. think of? Only Matt Prater Prater also had the longest field goal of all time before it was broke. I would put him above. I'm pretty sure he's still in the league. I'm pretty sure he's on the Cardinals or something. He is in the league still. I just think there are so many above um, middle of the pack running backs that people look up to and will remember forever. And I think that's kind of priceless in that fact. I got to go running back, even if I got tomato soup for a brain. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong there. Logan, parting thoughts on that one? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into being a kicker. You know, if I were to choose the kicker, I feel like my biggest kick would be messed up by Tony Romo misplacing the ball in the playoffs. But, you know, it, Interesting. it really depends. It really depends. <laughs> Interesting example. Oddly <laughs> <laughs> specific example. <laughs> What's so funny is you picked Houchka as your example, and he, I think, literally played like 12 years. He's the perfect average kicker. Like, yeah. he was a part of he Super is, Bowls, but he like, is. he wasn't known for that. Like, but then he went to the Bills and had his little time there when they were bad. So we're thinking yeah. like Young Ho Koo. Yeah, he's having a pretty average. average career right now for sure. Yeah. Um, wow, great question though. I like that question, Vic. We pass it back around. Logan, NBA or NFL? What do you think here? I'm gonna have to go with a mix. We got to take both into consideration. This is a good one, so buckle up. <clears throat> With the rise in social media in the 21st century, it is very easy to make fun of players uh, for various reasons. And, you know, when we are having our own children, the word memes is going to be in every history book and we're going to be looking back on it. My question for you is what meme is better? (laughs) The first one is Stefan Diggs watching the team celebrate after he lost or D'Angelo Russell putting up shots after a playoff loss. Which meme is better? You have a lot of t- everyone's laughing on screen. They're all muted, so you can't hear them. But you have to, <laughs> obviously the re- you have That's to, great. Before I say this, you have to understand the recency effect of D'Lo happening last year. It hasn't been able to live long enough. You have these kids in Pee Wee football doing the Stefan Diggs when they lost to the the neighborhood team, but. D'Lo putting up shots is something that is super, super funny. And and rumor has it he was putting up shots after the Nuggets won their championship and D'Lo wasn't even playing in that game. Okay. 
Wow, so many thoughts. Just first of all, a stray bullet to D'Lo. I'm gonna be honest with. You. I don't even know how we start to compare D'Angelo Russell and Stephon Diggs, who is arguably the best or one top three in the NBA NFL as wide receivers. So off the bat, if I wanted to be a meme forever. I'd want to be Diggs because his career has been better than D'Lo's career has been, even though D'Lo's career has been fun. Him putting up shots feels a little performative in that meme, especially when he's, like you said, not even playing or not even getting enough minutes in these games. But if you're going for what people might be talking about for a long time, I feel like in the depths of Reddit, people are going to bring up <laughs> the D'Lo putting up shots randomly and everyone that really knows a thing or two about basketball is going to be like, that was a moment. And the Stefan Diggs one's going to get played like on repeat. So I'm going to have to go with Stefan though, because I'd rather be known for something great than I'm uh, D'Lo. That, I'm on that same answer, but I got uh, completely different reasoning. I got to go Diggs, right? Was it? Was it weird for D'Lo to go put up shots after a team that won that he didn't even play on or play against? Dude, that's just, first of all, it's corny. There's a reason he's getting made fun of for it, right? (laughs) Stephon Diggs watching the Chiefs celebrate with the confetti coming down and all that stuff. It's like, is is that weird of him to stand there, you know, and kind of be like, damn, like I got this next year, right? I think it, it can be a meme. But I think it's more of a PG-13 meme. I've seen that meme show up with like kids that are grounded watching their friends play outside or playing <laughs> yeah. kickball and stuff. Friendly memes, some unfriendly memes. I think D'Lo only gets brought up when something hideous or really <laughs> like stupid is happening in the bowels of Reddit. People are using that <laughs> because it's just a mockery of whatever the topic is. I gotta go. If I had to choose to be one of them, I'm Stefan Diggs all the way. At least... I can defend myself and be like, dude, I was just, you know, really trying to soak it in so I didn't lose that next year, which they did. But what are you supposed to be as D-Lo? What was happening? You're taking shots by yourself. Corny, corny. We need AD out there. We don't need you taking shots. (laughs) He's like, I got to help. Go rest up. Go rest up, D-Lo. They're like, dude, go get the towels folded for next game, bro. Like, I don't know what you're doing out here. Yeah. If it was Brooklyn Nets D'Lo, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I get it. But this is this is post-prime D'Lo right this, now. I don't this know is not doing. your main page out here no more. Yeah, no. Logan, that was a out-of-pocket question. Do you have an answer to that one? <laughs> yeah, I have an answer and an update as well. So this question isn't quite over yet. First of all, I would have to go with D'Lo because – you have to think about it. Game is game. And as a professional athlete, you are actively trying to become better. If you look at Stefan Diggs, I feel like it was a little corny watching the celebration. Like, oh, I'm going I'm to remember this. Like that it adds some sort of expectation of I'll be back. And that's almost worse because if Stefan Diggs never wins it in his whole career, everyone's going to be like, remember, this is the closest he got to it to a Super Bowl was when he watched the other team celebrate. But D'Angelo Russell, he is actively trying to become a better player. But with that being said, That's a lie. Putting up extra shots is something that is notorious for basketball. If you miss why a free throw, why practice, haven't I not seen a clip of him do that? Miss like a free throw in practice, exactly. Where are these clips miss, ten years ago? If you miss 
a free throw in practice, your coach is making you make 10 before you leave. It is a completely normal thing that happens. And I think the reason it was blown out of proportion was because it was the Lakers. I feel like this happens all the time and it just isn't publicized as much because it's the Lakers. However, a new meme has entered the ring in the Would You Rather. We are adding the greatest fight in NBA history, Giannis versus the ladder. How does that rank in the top three of worst meme that you would want to be known for? That is Giannis, though. He works like fucking hard. Giannis is different. He He was just a little angrier. Logan, Logan, you're giving us more ammo for our point. Diggs and Giannis are top three in their positions. They're like, they're up for MVP. Diggs wants it bad. D'Lo, I don't, he's just doing it for, he's trying to stay relevant. Like, hey, what free agency can I get picked up next for my team? Because the Lakers are going to dump him this year. He's an expiring contract. He's a low contract. They're trying to get rid of him. LeBron says, you know I can play point guard, right? Yeah, LeBron (laughs) will start taking it up. I don't know. They'll get Reeves bringing it up. But like, Giannis versus the ladder. He's putting in work. He's actually mad. D'Lo's like, I'm just going to yo record. He's like giving a, his friend his phone. Hey, yo, record this real quick. Record this. And then he's giving it to his burner account. He took notes from Matt Canada and is getting out there just oh. posting that shit. Like, who posted that? Who See, leaked the, that video? The D'Lo thing just reminds me of those out-of-touch receivers that are going to football camp still with their own tape made. I'm not calling him terrible, but... You don't see Luca filming themselves taking shots after a loss. None of the big players do it. You want to talk about there are stories of Kobe used to do it. That's Kobe. That's an entirely different beast. That's a human being that was given to us from the heavens. Elo is doing it for reasons other than getting better at basketball. And that's just corny as can be. I, I can get the Stefan Diggs thing, like, oh, expectations, other stuff. But he genuinely is a top three in his position and thinks that he probably could have done better and needs to do better. D'Lo, corn master, not on my level, bruh. Thumbs down from Vic. Well, I have to disagree. I think basketball is a much different game. You can practice it by yourself, but... It's not like Stefan Diggs can go toss himself some some catches after the game. So I think it's a completely normal thing about basketball. That was just an unfortunate circumstance for being on a team like the Lakers. But yeah. it's fine. I've rest my case with that question. You pose a good question there, one for the ages, for sure. Definitely not on my bingo card for what I thought was going to be asked on this thing. So, okay, I got an NFL one for you guys. Okay, because there's a stacked... NFL QB draft coming up this year. There's supposed to be like eight dudes that could at least hold a, hold a clipboard, five starters at least. I posed the question of if you were a quarterback, would you rather be drafted early on, first top 10 picks, or late first round, even second round with the expectations of being a starter like a Lamar Jackson was in the late first round? Or would you like to be what is going to be Caleb Williams in this year's draft? Right away, here's my thought process about it, and this is how you got to go into sports if you are playing sports at that level. You got to think you're going to be the best regardless of where you're drafted, okay? There have been so many players good that were drafted early. There have been so many players good that were drafted late. If I'm going to get drafted and I'm already confident in my ability, I'm getting drafted early. Give me that first round bonus. Get me that four-year rookie contract with all the perks included, all the minimum guarantees and everything like that. And if I stink, 
I have a million dollars in my bank account. If I'm drafted super late or go undrafted and have to get signed and I'm battling all these people for a spot and I play in one game and stink and get benched, Zach Wilson, I get it, Rodgers is hurt. He's still starting though. Zach Wilson is proven to be terrible, but they took him in the first round and gave him that money and they are sticking to that. Maybe I might hate the the hate that I get from the fans, right? Maybe I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep, maybe. I can do it with my dollar bills. If I get drafted early, if I'm good, it makes me look good. If I do bad, I have a lot of money. Straight See, up, if you get drafted late, it, it's more of a toss-up. I hear you completely on that. And there's so many examples that could prove your argument right versus my side of it, which unfortunately is in disagreement. I would rather be the later quarterback because I want to go to a better position, a better situation. Think of Brock Purdy right now, but also my example of Lamar Jackson. He was taking over for the Flacco era. They didn't really have anything lined up, but the Ravens have been one of those like middle contenders for the past 20 years, our entire lives. They've always been good. And so I would rather bet on not it's not even betting on myself because I don't get to decide where I go, but I'd rather get taken to a better position, a better team. And when I say position, I mean team than to be the first pick and being Justin Justin Fields right now. Like he got taken to the Bears and now Caleb Williams is coming up next and is going to get taken to the Bears. And are we expecting really anything different? Yeah, you're going to get a bag, but you're risking a lot of injury. You don't have an O-line, you know, just basic stuff. Uh, he's even considering staying in college, as crazy as that sounds. So I almost want to not make money for, like, I agree. I don't want to go in the sixth round, but if I'm going in the late first round, I'm still expected to be a starter and I'm on the Chargers like Justin Herbert or and I'm on the Ravens. So I'm going to have some pieces around me. So that's kind of my off the bat thinking. Logan, where do you stand on this? I'm going to be honest. I was in full agreement with your stance until Vic started talking and he posed a really good argument. I think that if I'm going to be that first round draft pick QB, I think I'm using that extra money and hiring a PR team to spread some propaganda about how good I am. Uh, you've, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks over the years like Justin Herbert show that they're better online than they actually are on the field. And I feel like I could maintain a good enough reputation to make enough money, stay in the league long enough. Obviously, Vic put up a really good point about you should be confident in your own abilities and you you can't say where you're going to get drafted in essence, but you know, you should be confident in yourself and you know, be you're being valued by being picked first. And I think that means a lot to a lot of players. Even if their career didn't pan out the way it was, they were valued by a team as the best player in that draft class and I think that that's super sentimental that can last ages and you're going to okay. be making enough money. Okay. Already going to push back on this. Cause I hear what you're saying on the whole, like as a man, you want to come out of that feeling good about the, you like, this is my career. I worked really hard for this. How do you think Josh Rosen Rosen feels right now? How do you think Trubisky feels? How do you think Daniel Jones feels right now? All these guys that were drafted too high out of their control, but like I can do this. And now they're sitting back. I've every video picture I've seen of Josh Rosen of the past five years, he looks miserable. Yeah, he might have a couple million in the bank, but come on, he doesn't. He's not Lamar Jackson signing, you know, a quarter of a million dollars right now. Josh and Rosen so, did that to himself. I know, he but you that want that. Himself. You want that confidence. You said he, you wanted that confidence. No, no. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence is saying, "Man, I'm super happy that the Chicago Bears." 
decided to place me as their draft pick. I'm hoping to make the city proud. I've been working hard for this moment, blah, blah, blah. Josh Rosen goes, I'm just excited to pass Tom Brady's Super Bowl record. Why are you saying that? Why are you doing that to yourself? Daniel Jones was a lot more quiet. I think he's just hated because he's on the Giants and Obviously, he wasn't supposed to be picked that early. I think that that's very clear. Like, I, I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't seen him in the QB ratings, and they just decided to go with him. So I think that put a lot of pressure on him himself. But Josh Rosen, he's a good example of someone that talked before it was even done. Like, you need to understand that you're going into the league, and you can be confident in your abilities without being arrogant and putting a target on your head. And I think those are two completely different things. In And Griffin brought up some specific people that really kind of poke holes in what I'm about to say next, like Trubisky and Rosen and them. But <clears throat> just off the top of the head, think about some people that were drafted high that have had mediocre to bad careers and are still getting contracts elsewhere, right? Up until super recently, Carson Wentz signed huge deals with the Eagles and Skins at the time. Rest in peace. We got Washington football team slash commanders that he played on. <laughs> and you're talking about Baker Mayfield, who was a number one pick in the draft, who had a mediocre to, let's call it, piss poor beginning of the year or beginning of his career, won a playoff game in Cleveland, was able to sign as a backup in Los Angeles, play, went to Tampa, has a full contract there as well. Jameis Winston a meme of all means. That dude has a contract on the Saints right now, whether he plays or not. I feel like if you get drafted late, Mike White comes in for the Jets and throws 500 yards and 84 touchdowns in one game, and then they bench him when Zach Wilson gets healthy. So you can be that backup, and you can have all the safety you want and go to a better team, and you can be you know, whoever is backup. But I think you're going to have a huge chance for money, and longevity playing, whether you play good or not, is a whole different thing. But Cam Newton had highs, had lows, still got signed before he started to do his crazy stuff. All these top picks end up with mediocre careers and a lot of money. You've got you to pick a diamond out of a haystack to see those late round picks actually turn into something with a repeatable contract. I understand that they're going to have good um, young success getting signed to their rookie deals, but just straight up, you got to be able to take that young first step and sign to multiple teams. And I just think that makes it the clear answer on that one. Yeah, no, I agree. I I'm coming to your guys' side on that one, but now that I think about it, I don't know. I just I always think of Lamar Jackson, and I'm like, I know it sucked to fall that far because everyone's like, you're a wide receiver, but. He couldn't have landed on a better team for him. And that has paid off more than, you know, the Trubisky's and the Winston's and the Baker Mayfield. So great question there. Uh, well, great question for myself, I might add. Uh, great topic. You asked it. <laughs> <laughs> great topic at hand. Okay, so here's what we're doing. Vic, you got one more and then Logan has a bonus one after this. And then we'll wrap it up for any of the listeners still listening. So shout out all you. For listening Vic. easy peasy this one is going to be straight up give me why you think so with maybe facts or don't straight opinion who wins a championship first john morant luka Doncic. oh well logan's gonna bring his eye test to the table no facts so Logan, you want to go first <laughs> i think it has to be luka Doncic. i think he's 
a player that plays in a high market team. If the Dallas Mavericks can keep him, they have enough money to surround himself around talent. But John Morant, I look, I loved the Memphis Grizzlies like a few years ago. I think they became like a little too cocky for their own well-being. Like they kind of put themselves in that trap where their expectations became a little too high. And they were one of those regular season dominant teams that couldn't get it done in the postseason. Uh I, I see John Morant's only way of getting that ring before Luca is to go to another team, be that that you know, go to some big three team that you know a lot of players do throughout their whole career. I think Luca is too precious of a player for a team that can chill out money like the Dallas Mavericks for him to leave. You know, you look at some of these players like Dirk. He played for the Dallas Mavericks for such a long time and. They had multiple eras of the Dallas Mavericks where you thought that they were going to do well. Like, you know, you had your Steve Nash era where you're like, they could do it. Didn't work out. Then you had your post-Steve Nash era with with the GOAT, Jason Jason Terry. (laughs) You got Jason Terry who got a NBA championship tattoo before he even won. And Uh, Sean Marion. Shout out the best shot in the NBA. The best best shot in the NBA. Uh, I see Luka doing it. Uh, That is by no means like... uh, poor wishes to John Morant. I think that it's great to see young talent prosper. I see Luca Zion and jaw as the potential faces of the league for the time to come. And I can see all three of them eventually finding their foothold in the league. Yeah, no, I think this is a great question. It really comes down to a, would you rather place your money on Luca winning it versus John Morant? And if I had to put my money somewhere, it would be Luca for a, a, com- a completely different reason. We've seen, and I love John Moran. I think he's the most evolved of this type of player that I'm about to say, but he is the Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook-like player. But he has a shot to him. And when I say a shot, I mean a three-pointer, not outside of basketball reasonings there. So when I think about him, he can make it work, but I just, I'm not putting, his skills are all based on explosion. And unfortunately, he's gonna lose that eventually. Luca, I'm watching in the game last night go fast, slow, and literally get an am one at the end of the game because he noticed the defender was on his hip behind him, slowed down, got fouled, put up an am one, and then looked to the crowd and was like, look, I can get around you, and then I can slow down to make you foul me. That's why I'd pick Luca to take a last shot. That's why I'd pick Luca to start a franchise if I had to out of like the young generation. Because his style is longevity-based, and that's what the Mavericks look for. I mean, they had Dirk for forever. It's the same, similar type of situation, but in a big man versus a, a point guard. And so I'm worried about Ja, not off the court. I'm talking strictly on the court. I think he is just your prototype. He's a number two on a team. He's a number one in his small market, just like OKC with Russell Westbrook was when he came in, but he also had KD and Harden. But also... Derrick Rose in Chicago, which is not a small market, but it was just the Derrick Rose show for a while. And he did go head to head. And that's what the Grizzlies can be. They'll be toying with the Eastern Conference, but they will never take that leap. And I think if he was a two, it'd be better. So I'd put my money on Luka. This might be the first full sweep of the night. My answer way before was Luka. And you said you're because you're not going to downplay John Morant. I am going to downplay John Morant. I think he is steps below the Westbrook and D Rose show. Explosiveness is there. There are plenty of people sitting on the bench that have a similar first step, right? I understand his is pretty godly. 
you're in the NBA for a reason. There are a lot of people that could potentially pace him, and there's even more people that can defend him on a nightly basis. Luka has that Jokic-ish kind of step where the little lean back sometimes, it's almost unguardable when he's getting in there. And he's not the fastest guy, but his defense, I think, can compare better against Jaws. Jaw has the speed, maybe the hands. I just don't like Jaw Morant in almost any system, and he totally is a number two player if he's on any other team, maybe besides the Pistons or the, the Grizzlies. Luka is just going to be that guy, which is interesting that I asked this because I don't think Luca will have a championship in this near future. I'm calling three or four plus years out before he gets a whiff. I just think they're not all the way there yet. I think they're maybe a little too underutilized on their cap, and Luca needs some more people around him to actually make it there. I'm not saying every team needs a, a you know a big team, a big three. Luka just can't be taking 50 shots a game. Somebody will figure out how to defend him, and they'll miss the. You give him Kyrie Irving, they miss the playoffs, right? They might have been tanking for other reasons. Regardless of that, John Morant is not going to be that guy. He, yeah. he's not. He's he's jack of all trades, master of none. He is not your final shot guy. He is not your let me defend your best player, get this final stop and win the game. He's maybe your give me the ball at the top and let me blow by for a, a basket. Luca can do all of that and then some, right? Luca, clear yeah. cut answer. That's a great point. That last point, I was going to say something else, but now I want to touch on that is John Morant's your first quarter. I need energy. Like, let's come out strong. Like, just while the defense is sleeping, come out and just dunk on someone and then put up a dope assist and like do something cool. But Luca got a little more size on him little more of a point guard and I watched literally in the opening night and he's not going to do this all year but I noticed Luca locks in at the end of games he understands the importance and lack of importance of the regular season he can play defense is what I'm trying to say he's serviceable on defense when he wants to be but he knows he's high touch on offense so he can't be exuding all that on defense I mean he comes out of games tired we we see him coming out but John Morant just doesn't have that bag. And you're right. There are other guys in the league that have that first step, but I will give Ja that the credit he deserves. He, he is putting on a show, but I'm not picking him to take any last shot on any list. I'd rather, you know, we explore the options with Bane on his own team because Bane can actually hit a three at a consistent clip and he's a little bulkier. So Desmond Bane can bench press 500 pounds. It looks yeah. like that dude has arms. Yeah. I the perfect play is a pick and roll between him and Jaron Jackson for a last shot because then you can either lob it up or you take a three with with Bain. So yep. Okay, Logan, what are you taking? I I, I think you already answered, but I already forgot. <laughs> yeah, I already answered with Luca, <laughs> but I think there's there's two points or one point to make before we transition. Uh, I think that it the NBA is at its most peak entertainment value when you have some of these players like Russell Westbrook. Uh, you know, Derek Rose, John Morant, some of these people that could just yam a dunk on somebody. And it's just one of the most exciting things about basketball. And I definitely respect some of those players that are willing to just throw their body forward for a crazy play. But I love, I love how this podcast is incredibly unplanned in a sense that we didn't know the questions or the comments that we were going to make. And Vic brought up a point about Desmond Bain bench pressing potentially 500 pounds. <laughs> it's which a lot. It's me, a lot. 
dude's got arms of steel. But it leads me to the bonus question of yes. the evening or the morning, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And it's going to be <laughs> a positive one. I think a lot of my previous questions had some downside from like being on a terrible team or what meme we make fun of the most or what super team failed. But yeah, the- yeah, your team, De'Aaron Fox and D'Lo yeah, for all the listeners yeah, catching yeah. up. Right <laughs> yeah. Super team, the top no, five. No, no, no. Uh, but... <laughs> To end it on a positive (laughs) note, I have a question for both of you. Which would you most rather be known for? And this doesn't define your whole career, but it's just something that adds to it. An iconic high school basketball mixtape or an iconic football lift video? So on the surface, you may be thinking high school mixtape. You know, you look at the likes of Aaron Gordon, Ben Simmons, John Wall, Anders, John Wall, all these. But there are some crazy lifting videos that people forget about. You know, there's Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. As, <laughs> as a freshman, he squatted 495 pounds at Penn State. You have Miles Garrett not only dunking at a pickup basketball game, but also vertical jumping 64 inches. And then you also have like that one O-lineman, I think he got drafted by the Bucks, jumping out of a pool and landing his feet flat on the end of it. Yes. Yes. So my question is, what would you rather have added to your career, an iconic basketball mixtape or an iconic lift in football? That or it could be is, a truck. It could be like a you know you're no, in high school and you truck somebody. It's it's a great question because you're playing into so many different thoughts here. Like, do you want to be known for a clip when you're older or when you were a kid? Essentially, coming up as a prospect, my head immediately goes to a high school mixtape for basketball because those used to be like there was only five dudes getting mixtapes. They were the best five dudes. And now any child can pay for a mixtape and get out there. So it's a little diluted, but God, the Aaron Gordon, like, Oh my Lord, the Harry Giles who didn't even like end up in the NBA was in St. John. Thon maker is my favorite. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thon maker out here. Like dudes were yamming on children and it was disrespectful. Like, remember that Corey Sanders, dude? Oh my God. And Trevor people finishing geometry class to get yammed on by a guy (laughs) named Corey Sanders, who isn't known for his career at Rutgers before when he was playing (laughs) basketball and And who's who's that kid that was in the dunk contest last year? He had the most insane dude. I'm picking that all day because if I want to watch a dope lifting video, I'm like looking up Ronnie Coleman, like just, yeah, buddy, doing a thousand wait, wait, pounds. Baby. Yeah, 400 cool. But I want to see someone that has literally crippled their body to lift a weight that makes no sense whatsoever, like in that kind of realm. What's funny is I think um, if you're going to make that high school mixtape, you are going to be way more diluted, like you said. And I think that does get you less looks because over the course of a high school season, you play like, what, 22 games? You can for sure come up with some clips if you're even just a half starter. What happens on the football team is strictly an arbitrary number. Can you bench 225 how many reps? Can you squat X amount how many reps? If you squat 495 as a freshman, you are certainly getting James Franklin, um, John Harbaugh. You're getting all the college coaches coming to your school 
to watch that happen because that does not happen in any league, 1A, 2A, 3A, half A, any any kind of high school, there is going to be somebody that can make a mixtape. I think purely from a how much fun do I want to make out of what sport I'm doing, I got to take the lifting video because if I'm going to get noticed like that, I want Nick Saban watching a video of me squatting 500 so that I might have the chance to go play somewhere big. Anyone can make a mixtape. Not anyone can squat 500, 225 for 50 reps. Easily, you got to take the reps because you want that exposure at the college level. And who knows what that what that equals out to later in life? Undrafted looks, drafted looks. I think all of that gets put on the table when you do that. Mixtape, it's cool. Show it to your kids. You know, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I I am strictly mixtape if it's early 2000s. Like like before 2012, say let's say that. But yes, lifting nowadays if you can get it like a like you saw DK and Aaron Donald like arguing on a podcast like I can bench like 300 and Donald's like I got 500 and we're like I thought Metcalf was the best dude alive in terms of lifting, but it's not all show. Bad Sometimes they're just big ass dudes. Man. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a good question, Logan. I don't know where I like actually have a final answer. I think it's a mixed bag for me because I'm you can't tell me like Aaron Gordon's mixtape didn't put him like completely on the map. Like that, he's doing things that no dudes can do. You know, like John Wall as well. Like, yeah, there's mixtapes nowadays, but real basketball heads watch the ones nowadays and are like, okay, a kid's just shooting threes. Like, that's not that crazy. And we know it's a lot more clipped. But back in the day, they were just literally head over heels better than everybody else. And I think the competition has gotten a lot tighter nowadays. So everyone can kind of, you know, play that way. I don't know. What about you, Logan? Yeah, I think you guys brought up a lot of the points I wanted to touch on. I think if this question was proposed in 2010, I would say, oh, I want to be along the likes of John Wall, the likes of Aaron Gordon, Ben Simmons, etc. Those are some of the most iconic, iconic videos. And, uh, you know, we used to watch those before every AAU game. But nowadays you have... Uh, you know, these AAU invitationals where they invite so many kids. You see people, the back of their jersey is number 397. You're like, how many kids are at this camp? And they're making a mixtape out of everyone. And oftentimes they can use a lot of strategic editing and beat drops to make it look a lot better than it was. But at that time, previously, like in 2010, they were way ahead of their time. When we think about lifting, these numbers are transcendental they can i don't even know if that was a word transcendent <laughs> transcendent yeah not transcendental miriam webster's gonna call you up and put your word yeah maybe <laughs> like i listen to your podcast yeah uh but <laughs> if you bench 500 pounds you are part of an absolute elite group of men that can be able to do those things and it just I think it's some of the most iconic things ever. Some some of the other things that come to mind, if you're at home listening, look up Aaron Donald training with knives. It sounds weird, but that dude, in order to help get him past blockers, he had a coach hold knives in front of him and basically jab and stab towards him to make sure he was grabbing the right places in the arms in a life or death situation. And those videos they resonate no one's no one's doing that or you look at james harrison post career he's in the gym rocking sweatshirts sweatpants is just power squatting 
like school Logan, buses of children. You just, said, you just said the knives video resonates with you. When have you ever had <laughs> Michael Myers charging your ass with a knife? What are you talking about? <laughs> if Jason Kelsey is trying to do a tush push and there and i'm thinking in my head this man has knives I'm, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I'm <laughs> you're just bringing up that videos. video right there it's a crazy it's a crazy video it was, it was oh, more okay. for it was more for comedic value you should definitely look it up if you've never seen it. it's probably one of the craziest workouts i've seen since james winston but uh, <laughs> yeah. lifting lifting is it's throughout history you know you're you're a part of a number rather than a group of people that made these mixtapes and i think it's just it's super impressive to see some of these freak athletes do these crazy lifts as they get into their careers. Totally agree. Great bonus question there. I think we can call it good for this episode, but all that I learned from this is that we need to do this more often. This, I already know. If you're still listening, yes, shout out to you guys because this has been so much fun. Hope you enjoyed our takes. This is going to be relevant forever because we talked about things that are just are like, life things uh, overall like the mixtape one or like coaching and what you would it rather is. be so thank you logan for being on vic for being on as well shout out to the boys shout out to val because i know you're still listening you're on the next one don't worry yes, buddy you're on the, we need your poor fancy football takes because all i hear is oh, logan i can like, <laughs> do like that he's so, coming back he said he's guaranteed playoffs he's on a win yeah. streak this is the bonus part of the episode. So if you're really listening, you're really a part of the world of show about sports. But yeah, shout out to the group here. Logan, keep thinking you're good at fantasy football. Vic, I hope the Cowboys are good this year and we can play each other in NFC Championship <laughs> Seahawks style. But I don't know. Any sign off from you two? Uh, right away, uh, Dez caught that ball and Nick Cassianos needs to do better than one for 24 in the NLCS. <laughs> I love that. Des definitely caught that ball. And yeah, the Nick oh, Cassiano, man, poor Philly fans. Shout out to you, Philly fans. Sleep well at night. All right. You can join us Mariners in this basement of fandom. Logan, any sign up? Sign off. I think the meme question is super important. And depending on how well D'Angelo Russell plays this season, we will see how truly important that meme is. And also, I hope Stefan Diggs can get that ring. Love the guy, rooting for him, but that picture will forever haunt him if he never makes it further than that point. And that's where I sign off. Totally. Well, great pod, boys. And everyone that's listening, have a great rest of your week and weekend. And we'll talk later. Cheers.